Welcome to the Books and Bites podcast. Each month, we bring you book recommendations and discuss the bites and beverages to pair with them. I'm Carrie Green, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Michael Cunningham and Adam Wheeler. Hello. Hi. So our theme for this month is ghost stories, and it's the 10th prompt in the Books and Bites Challenge. And of course, October is a great time of year to read ghost stories. And I think we all know that Michael is probably going with horror for this challenge. Oh, yeah. But um, I happen to think that this prompt is a lot more versatile than what you might think at first. Um, What do you guys think? For sure. There's all kinds of stuff you can dive into. There's there's romance. And I think yours is more of like a, a fun or inspirational kind of one this time. Or it's, it's a fun mystery, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it is. You know, there are, the ghost stories are in all genres, like, you know, Christmas Carol. Oh, and yeah, then, that's true. Uh, what, is it, what was that one you read? Um, a Long Way Down? be considered yeah, a ghost yeah, story. Yeah, the long way down. That's a that's mm-hmm. a ghost story. And like I'm gonna show off my Eng- English major real quick, but like <laughs> a lot of ghost stories you'll see it's always a theme where you got this character who's who is this he's trying to overcome something or or change and you and you see that Christmas Carol and you can just see that and I'll a whole lot of ghost stories. Mm-hmm. Like in my ghost story, you got this guy who's very lonely. He's got a lot of um, things, a lot of regrets in his life. And so a lot of times a ghost will, will reflect or embody a regret or or something in his life that he wants to change. Yeah. In fact, um, uh, I actually didn't finish this book, but I started a recent book. Um, that was published in the last year, a ghost story titled The Regrets. <laughs> so that uh, um, definitely taps right into that, oh, yeah. that idea. Oh, yeah. I think um, also the, the book I'm going to talk about today, it's about the ghosts are a way for the living people to deal with their grief. Um, you know, in talking to their beloved who has died, um, you know, it allows them to think about how they're continuing their relationship, even though the person has died. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, ghost stories are, you know, you can find them everywhere. You can be put in any genre. And, Yeah. And, and Michael, you have a particular interest in ghosts. You yes. Share? So I, one of my hobbies is ghost hunting. Um, I have a little group that I haven't done in a little bit, but we've been all over the state. You know, we've been to the infamous Waverly Hills. Um, we went to the prison, Brushy Mountain Prison, State Penitentiary, and um, in Appalachia, in Tennessee. Um, yeah, it's. I've seen some. Waverly Hills is definitely haunted. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I have a couple of photos and videos, but I remember I was uh, on one of the third floors, 
by myself and I kept hearing these footsteps and I follow, you know, follow them and they're kind of going around in like a circle. And then eventually I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm not following them any longer. I'm going back. I was <laughs> only one up there. Uh, Bobby Mackey's is really cool. That's in Wilder, Kentucky. It's a old, uh, it's a honky tonk right now. This is kind of falling, kind of sliding down the hill, but it used to be at the old Latin quarter an old gangster place when that was big in like the forties and fifties in Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. And uh, they still have a lot of that. The safe is still there. They have a bunch of dinner plates and silverware from that place is still in the basement. Uh, that place, I got poked in the back by something. <laughs> we saw a couple, someone got uh, something thrown at them and the door open. It's, it's pretty spooky. Makes me wonder if they've left any uh, like wine or spirits behind. Uh, uh, there it is. Sorry. And we go from spooky to spooky. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> One little segue. Yeah. We we introduced that word last month, didn't we? And then you said that you've been seeing that all over the place. I have. I'm, yeah. I'm glad for being educated on mm -hmm. those fights. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I guess I will start by um Talking about my first pick, Tuesday Mooney Talks to Ghosts by Kate Reculia. And I guess um, before I do that, I should mention that normally we each talk about two books at length, but for this episode, we thought we'd each talk about one book in, de in detail and then talk more briefly about a couple of other books. Hopefully this will give you even more options to choose from. So regular Books and Bites listeners may remember that I recommended Kate Reculia's previous book, Bellwether Rhapsody. But I think I enjoyed Tuesday Mooney Talks to Ghosts even more than that one. It's an engaging, suspenseful romp through the city of Boston that I couldn't put down. Main character Tuesday Mooney is a prospect researcher at a major hospital. Though very good at her job, she's also a bit of a loner, both in the office and in life. She has one friend, Dex, but her sarcasm keeps it, even him at a distance. One October night at a fundraising gala for work, Tuesday and Dex meet billionaire Vincent Price. And I should say that this is not the Vincent Price. Um, <laughs> the Price here is spelled with a Y, but uh. you have some similarities. Um, this particular Vincent Price is an eccentric old man dressed in a cape who drops dead in the middle of the event. Soon after, Tuesday and Dex and the rest of Boston learn that Price has arranged a citywide treasure hunt based on Edgar Allan Poe-inspired clues. The hunt will culminate at his public funeral on Boston Common, with the winners awarded an undisclosed share of Price's fortune. Tuesday teams up with Dex, her young neighbor Dory, and Archie, an attractive but troubled heir. Although Tuesday is the central character, the chapters alternate between her and the other characters' points of view. Several of them have difficult losses in their past that are driving them on their quest. Tuesday is driven by the loss of her childhood best friend, Abby, who went missing one night and was never found. Shortly after Abby went missing, Tuesday began communicating with her through a Ouija board. 
Eventually, she no longer needed the board to hear Abby's voice. Is Tuesday really hearing Abby's ghost, or is she imagining the voice? Through these questions, the book explores the ways that we continue our relationships with those we grieve. In spite of the character's losses, Tuesday Mooney Talks to Ghosts is an incredibly fun read. It's an adventure story, a mystery, and a ghost story all in one. It's spooky but not scary, and the writing is witty and wise. From beyond, Vincent Price helps his players learn to celebrate friendship, love, and life. With its orange and black color scheme and sweet and spicy flavors, the Halloween stew from Liana Krisoff's Vegetarian for a New Generation is the perfect accompaniment to Tuesday Mooney Talks to Ghosts. This healthy, hearty stew spices up the comfort of butternut squash and black beans with chilies, cayenne, and cumin. A hint of grated orange zest adds brightness. The stew comes together fairly quickly and is a regular fall and winter staple in my house. The recipe suggests serving it with couscous, quinoa, or polenta, but I especially like it with fresh warm tortillas from Tortilleria Itaqueria Ramirez in Lexington. Vegetarian for a New Generation is available in our print collection or on Hoopla Digital. Sounds tasty. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to wonder what kind of what's which of Poe's writings do they reference in in that treasure <sighs> hunt? Well, yeah, I'm not sure I can remember specific things. It's not it's not just his writing he they're referencing because I believe Poe was either from or lived in Boston, so some of the references are like based on places that he had lived or um, been to, things like that. I gotcha, general sad boy history. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so would you say this is a really good option for people who want kind of a ghost story, but not something scary or? Yeah, I, I it's not, it does have some suspense to it. Um, you know, like I started, I finished another book that I thought I was going to talk about in more detail in the podcast. But this one, um, I just kept, I picked this one up after I finished the other one. And I just kept reading it. So, um, you know, I had a hard time. It was very engaging. Um, I had a hard time putting it down. Um, but it is, it's also an adventure story. And I feel like it, despite the subject matter, it's very life affirming. So um, it's kind of a, I think it's a nice book to read right now with yeah. um, I don't know, all that's going on in the world. Sure. I personally need a little affirmation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to have to add that to my TBR. That actually sounds. <laughs> so this month I'm talking about Clive Barker's 1986 novella, The Hellbound Heart. Forewarning, this is an adult book and it is a lot. 
So if descriptions of scary scenes or violence or even sexuality uh, make you uneasy, give the book and my talk a skip. You won't hurt my feelings, I promise. Uh, <laughs> also, forgive me if I nerd out a bit. I really, this is one of my favorites. Um, you, so, won't hurt, you won't hurt his feelings because he won't know, so. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I will have no idea unless you sent me a strongly worded letter or email. Which, <laughs> in that case, you need a hobby. Um <laughs> So again, this is one of my favorite reads, which also um, led to the cult classic horror series called Hellraiser, um, which includes about 10 movies, a book series, and a number of imaginatively gut-wrenching comics. Um, so strap in. <laughs> the story in The Hellbound Heart follows four characters in third person, Frank, Rory, Julia, and Kirsty. We start off learning about Frank, a long-since jaded thrill-seeker solving a puzzle called the Lemurchin Box. He's been promised that solving it will summon entities called Cenobites, who will lead him to new heights of pleasure. Unfortunately for Frank, the Cenobites' idea of pleasure is not the same as his. Um, the Cenobites are scarred, mangled creatures who have engaged in masochistic tendencies to the point of becoming monstrous. And Frank becomes their newest victim, an eternal subject to their tortures. Next, we meet Rory, Frank's sensible but lackluster brother, and Julia, Rory's beautiful, bored wife, as they are moving into an old family home. Rory is dependable, if a bit boorish, um, and Julia holds, to the point of obsession, the memory of her pre-wedding affair with Rory's brother, Frank. In an upstairs room, Julia disdainfully deems the damp room, which is that's nasty. Um, she feels an odd attraction and repulsion, and for good reason. Rory cuts his hand in a botched DIY attempt and splatters blood on the floorboards. After a hospital visit where they had to get stitches, uh, the f they find all the blood has vanished. Rory chalks it up to Julia being such a good housewife that she cleaned it without even remembering it. And I have to say, I think I can understand why she hates him. <laughs> but Julia knows she didn't clean it. While Rory is out for work, she visits the damp room again. A tiny cell with a pained figure appears briefly in the wall, pleading for blood. This is, this is where the ghost comes in, if, you, if you're wondering. Um, Julia, though shaken, remembers the horrible visage she saw and recognized Frank's voice. Driven by a passion to escape her dreary life and the promise of resurrecting her long-held memory of Frank, Julia lures men to the room for slaughter. Good for her. <laughs> Our last character is Kirsty, who Rory asks to check on Julia out of concern for her strange behavior and ill appearance. Kirsty stops by the house to talk during one of Julia's bait and sacrifice days, mistaking Julia's actions for an affair. Uh, determined to expose Julia's supposed infidelity, Kirsty begins spying, only to be dragged into the supernatural conflict between Frank and the Cenobites. While the characters feel far-fetched at times, this story is compelling for its focus on the lengths people will go to see their desires met. Plus, the uh, threat of eternal torment is a 
pretty good one. Um, fans of the Hellraiser movie, which was inspired by the Hellbound Heart, may be surprised to find that the Cenobite turned horror icon, dubbed by fans as Pinhead, for his head carved into grids, uh, pins inserted at each intersection of lines, is barely mentioned, at least in this book. And not in the way that you're used to either. But I will let readers delve into that on their own. Uh, while this book can be really graphic, I think it's worth talking about for its contributions to the horror genre. Plus, if you enjoy it, there's so much more content to sink your teeth into. Uh, the Hellbound Heart by Clive Barker can be borrowed on Hoopla Digital with your JCPL library card. Um, I would recommend you accompany the tortuous need for fulfillment in the Hellbound Heart with a tall, cold glass of troubled leisure. This adult beverage combines oolong-infused vodka, Dolan Blanc vermouth, uh, and Cointreau and house orange bitters. You can find the recipe along with instructions for making oolong-infused vodka in Cocktail Codex, available in print at JCPL. That drink sounds really yeah. good. Sounds very complex. It does, and I have no idea what it tastes like because <laughs> those ingredients sound expensive. <laughs> but I saw the title of a like, troubled leisure that's perfect for a horror book. I have to do it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think that, I mean, oolong tea has a little bit of, I think, kind of a smoky flavor. So it'd be interesting that, that with the orange, I don't know. Sounds good. Yeah. Sorry. I just thought of, because we're doing ghost stories, boo long tea. Uh, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Uh, it lingers on the palate long after you're done. Yeah. It's haunting. Yeah. Haunting. Yeah, we got a new advertisement for that drink. I didn't make that one, but I did. Uh, make a martini the other day um, that was it's kind of loosely a martini it's uh, oh god it's just gin and some grapefruit juice and elderflower liqueur and that was really delicious and tasty mm. um, it looks kind of ghostly so you could just do that instead if you want something a little bit a little bit cheaper <laughs> <laughs> and maybe simpler to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My ghost story recommendation is The Siren and the Spectre by Jonathan Jantz. When October hits, I find there's nothing better than a good atmospheric ghost or haunted house story to get you in the mood for the Halloween season. David Kane is a celebrated skeptic of the paranormal. He goes around notorious haunted places, debunks them, and writes a best-selling novel about his experiences there. That is, until he is invited by his best friend from college, Chris, to stay for a month at the secluded Alexander House, the most haunted house in Virginia. His friend and his wife recently purchased the house and want to turn it into a ghost hunting attraction. And it isn't just any haunted house either. It's got quite the notorious history. Built in the 1700s on the banks of the Rappahannock River by a tyrannical Virginia tobacco baron to house his insane and depraved killer of his son, Judson, the house was meant to keep him quarantined from the public. That didn't stop Judson, though. His reign of madness continued as people started disappearing from a nearby town and farms never to be seen again, taking them back to his house where he committed depraved atrocities. 
But does the David doesn't believe in the stories. He, he is certain there are natural explanations to all the experiences people have had there over the years, and he's going to prove it. That is until he starts having his own unexplainable experiences, like the Arctic temperatures on the second floor of the house in the middle of summer, or the half-melted thing that crawls out from under the bed, or the very camera footage he caught of someone coming down out of the attic. He's not just contending with the house. He has also to deal with a dysfunctional family that lives next door with the two small neglected kids and the white figure that he spies gliding across the river to the island that looks uncannily like his girlfriend that committed suicide years previous. The thriller of a haunted house story is full of suspense and is a nonstop page turner and more complex than your traditional haunted house novel. The cinematic writing creates an atmosphere full of dread and unease. The backstory for the house and the entity that haunts it are terrifying and slowly unraveled, leading it to a well-executed and bloody ending that expertly weaves together the many threads. So if you're a fan of Stephen King or read Scott Thomas's haunted house story, Kill Creek, I believe I recommended that last year on the podcast, I would highly recommend this book. It's currently available on Hoopla Digital as an e-audiobook with a great narration done by Davis Brooks. I don't think anything beats pairing a pumpkin ale with a ghost story this time of year. One of my go-to ales in the fall is New Holland Brewing's Ichabod Pumpkin Ale. Like fall in the glass, this nicely balanced beer has notes of pumpkin, cinnamon, and nutmeg with a cracker-like malt finish. You should be able to find it at Total Wines and Spirits, Whole Foods, or your local liquor bar. So, um, nonfiction about ghosts is really popular, you know, in in the library. Collections of ghost stories or ghost tales, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, when I say nonfiction, it's kind of like, like they're fables or, you know. So do you enjoy that kind of book as well, Michael? Yeah. Um, there's, uh, there's a couple. I think we have it uh, by Patty Starr. It's like Haunted Places of Kentucky mm-hmm. um, that tells about a lot of really cool local places in and around Central Kentucky that are haunted and places she's investigated. I believe she's a, one of those paranormal investigators based out of Lexington. Um, but yeah, I love those campfire ghost story tales. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's one, it's a bigger book called Weird Kentucky that's full of that too. I know we used to have it. I'm not sure if we still do, but yeah, I remember seeing that. There's a lot of good tales. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if we want to talk about this on the podcast, but I have heard mention that our library is haunted <laughs> by by what was what was her name? Sarah Rice Withers. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and. Uh, I think the the founder, the primary donator of um, funds for the library. Yeah. So we tend to blame any anything that goes amiss on Miss Rice Withers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When a book falls off a shelf or something goes crash, it's Miss Withers. <laughs> So my other shorter picks for this month, um, the one that I finished um, recently and actually 
did also really enjoy is called Things in Jars by Just Kidd. And it's a genre-bending tale that combines gothic mystery, fantasy, history, and the paranormal. Bridie Devine is a detective in Victorian London who is hired by a doctor to find his secret kidnapped child. Bridie is immediately suspicious of the doctor. Why would you keep your own daughter under lock and key? And soon learns that the girl may have supernatural powers. A tattooed ghost assists Bridie on her investigations. He swears Bridie knew him in life, but she doesn't remember him, even when she begins to develop feelings for him. Portions of this book were more violent than I typically like, but the lyrical and witty prose more than made up for it. The next book is one that I have also talked about on Books and Bites before, but I just wanted to mention it because it is one of my favorite ghost stories of all time. Lincoln and the Bardo by, by George Saunders. The book takes place over the course of one night in the cemetery where Willie Lincoln, the 11-year-old son of Abraham and Mary Todd Lincoln, has just been buried after dying of typhoid. Along with many other inhabitants of the cemetery, Willie finds himself stuck in the Bardo, a state between life and death. When Abraham Lincoln visits his son's tomb, Willie finds it even more difficult to leave his former life behind. I especially recommend the audiobook version, a masterpiece of production with 166 cast members, including Nick Offerman, David Sedaris, Lena Dunham, Susan Sarandon, Julianne Moore, and many other well-known names. And then lastly, you can't find a more haunting book than Beloved, Toni Morrison's classic novel about Setha, an escaped slave living in post-Civil War Ohio, who is visited by the ghost of the dead baby girl whom she sacrificed. That one's been on my TBR for a while, too. Oh, yeah? You haven't read that one? No. Oh, yeah. Me too. I think I've had a mix-up with one of Toni Morrison's books. In a previous podcast, I want to say I thought, or maybe it was one of the meetings, I said I thought I read Beloved and then someone described it. I was like, that doesn't sound familiar at all. <laughs> it must have been a different one because I don't remember anything about ghosts. <laughs> but that other one, what did you say uh, over 160 voice actors for the audiobook? Yeah. That's crazy. So like for each character had their own... Yeah, so um, there are a lot of different characters in the book, um, and there are other people who are buried in the cemetery. So it's a lot of other ghosts are voiced. Um, and um, yeah, so each, each character has a different actor. Speaking of all the various forms of ghost stories, another one of my favorite reads is Justice League Dark um, from DC Comics. Uh, I think it's the New 52 edition that I really like, especially. So the leader is Zatanna, which she's a magician's daughter and she can make pretty much anything happen by saying the command backwards, which I imagine is harder than it sounds. Um, <laughs> but... 
But okay, so Ghost Story comes in because Dead Man is part of the group. Um, he is dead, and that is his superpower. He's a ghost. <laughs> um, he can possess people. Uh, and he's dead, so they can't kill him. Uh, but there's also Swamp Thing, um, Constantine, who's a jerk, uh, and some other people, I'm sure. There's, there's this weird night nurse. Um, I don't remember what her superpower is, but it's 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 so weird. Anyway, Justice League Dark is like an offshoot Justice League who handles things that the regular Justice League either doesn't want to or can't handle things that involve like supernatural phenomenon or sorcery, that kind of thing. Superman can't do anything about ghosts. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's good. It's good to have a well-rounded superhero cast yeah yeah it's really good i enjoy that book that series a lot um i think we also have a dvd for it at the library i haven't watched it um if you want a cute uh like teen graphic novel taproot a story about a gardener and a ghost uh illustrated by kesey young um and edited by andrea colvin and hazel Nulevant. Uh, I've read that one and it's adorable. Um, so it's a supernatural romance. Uh, let me let me read the abstract here. Uh, Blue is having a hard time moving on. He's in love with his best friend. He's also dead. Uh, luckily, Hamal can see ghosts, leaving Blue free to haunt him to his heart's content. But something eerie is happening in town, leaving the local afterlife unsettled. And when Blue realizes Hamal's strange ability may be putting him in danger, Blue has to find a way to protect him, even if it means leaving him. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so it's a cute little romance with uh, some some deep lessons to it. Uh, that's available uh, in the teen section in a hard copy, but also on Hoopla Digital. And would that one qualify as spoopy? Maybe. Yeah, it's not scary. Um, probably. I mean, it's not really. It's cutesy. Yes, we will say it is spoopy. <laughs> it is mildly spoopy. Spoopish. <laughs> Excellent. Wayne's World Part Time. Excellent. <laughs> So my first one is my all-time favorite ghost stories, The Shining by Stephen King. Probably one, if not the scariest books I've ever read, this follows the Torrance family, Jack, Wendy, and their son Dandy, as they become caretakers of the empty Overlook Hotel for the winter, which is probably not quite as empty as they think. Some of the scenes are truly terrifying and probably isn't the best choice to read right before bed. <laughs> um, yeah, this is some of these scenes in this book are are some of the scariest I've ever read. Uh, and I read this book years ago. If you're looking for something much lighter with just a hint of spooky, I would suggest the Saturday Night Ghost Club by Craig Davison. This coming of age tale follows an awkward 12 year old boy named Jake living in Niagara Falls during the 1980s. 
His eccentric uncle Calvin owns a shop where he sells occult artifacts and dispenses conspiracy theories to anyone who will listen. One summer, they decide to form the Saturday Night Ghost Club and invite the new kid to school, Billy Yellowbird, to join. They go around the city and investigate local ghost stories and urban legends. This book is both heartwarming and at times heartbreaking. So it's a good choice to kind of ease into the Halloween season without any real scares. Uh, if you're curious about haunted locations and America's fascination with them, I would suggest Colin Dickey's Ghostland and American History in Haunted Places. This book has been on my TBR for a little bit, and I hope to get it to it pretty soon. Dickey, in the book, seeks to answer the questions like how us, the living, deal with stories about ghosts and occupying spaces that have been deemed haunted, and how the true facts behind those stories change and evolve over time. So it sounds like a pretty interesting um, look with ghosts and hauntings, and um, Mm -hmm. might be a good suggestion for people who like that nonfiction ghost stories hmm. or deeper dive into that yeah or want to look into more like why yeah why it's popular yeah yeah we have a pretty pretty wide range of recommendations today <laughs> so hopefully you'll find something yeah was was hamlet a ghost story yeah yeah, yeah there you go there's there's some classical there's some shakespearean yeah. stuff too there you go ghosts are everywhere thanks for listening to the books and bites podcast to find out more about the podcast the books and bites challenge or the books and bites discussion group visit our website at justpublib.org forward slash books hyphen bites Our theme song is The Breakers by Scott Whitten from his album In Close Quarters with the Enemy. You can find out more about Scott and his music on his website, adoreforadesk.com.